discretion is advised as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Now, are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Entertainment. There you go. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll lay a dozen eggs. And we're back with Nathan of the What Were They Thinking podcast. How's it going, eh? Hey, hey, mate. How's it doing, mate? We're going to talk about some jungle apes, mate. (laughs) I do love me some uh, planets of apes, especially when they're (laughs) rising, dawning, or at war. Oh, God. You should have seen me trolling in the... This one Facebook Planet of the Apes Society group. I think that that's what it was called, Ape Society. And I was just trolling. I was like, this sounds fucking racist. Everybody (laughs) else was like, really, dude? I'm like, no, man. We'll talk about the movies. (laughs) And just the, I don't go out of my way to troll, but when I do, I just always say, Congo is one of the best Planet of the Apes sequels. I know. I know. You and Brandon were on. Everything that, that, that'll probably yeah. get some get some reactions. <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of question marks and other people saying I like it, but what the fuck does that have to do with playing the games? Uh, all I can say is it's basically aliens, but with yeah. uh, with Indiana Jones and apes. There you go. That's a good that was, combo. It's not a bad one. I mean, I, I you know, that was the if first it was time. executed better, I'd probably watch that. <laughs> That's fine. I've you might like that one uh, Ron Perlman movie that's a knockoff of it from 99. I'm not kidding. There's this one UPN movie that used to come on Sci-Fi Channel. I think it's like called Primal Rage or something. That sounds vaguely familiar. You probably saw when it aired or when Sci-Fi re-aired it back in the day. But Yeah, uh, see, we, we didn't get uh, – I don't get Sci-Fi. I'm in Canada. So we've uh, had a thing called Space Channel. Space Channel, yeah. Uh, we thank you for keeping first first wave alive. Okay. No problem. You guys can have Andromeda as well. <laughs> oh well, I don't think we want Andromeda. <laughs> now, now, you you want first wave, you get Andromeda. That's the rules. It's in the bargain. It's on Tubi and Prime, but I mean, <laughs> it, it's a lot. It's Star Trek with lot with lots of schlocky acting and which uh, you know I. I, of, of all my friends uh, who are Trekkers, uh, I gotta say... The, Is that what it's called now? Instead of Trekkies, it's now Trekkers, like <laughs> Ice Road Trekkers? <laughs> Funny side note, uh, I said Trekkie to uh, one of my friends who takes this sort of thing really seriously, oh and they were like, no, we're Trekkers, not Trekkies. I was like, okay... <laughs> I know. I once did an IMDb list of celebrities who are Trekkies, and one guy took offense to it. He was like, you should just call them Star Trek fans. There's a difference. I'm like, well, that's news to me. It was always Trekkie. Because of that, it just kind of worked its way into my vernacular that whenever I'm talking about (laughs) Star Trek fans, I say say Trekkers. But uh, of all my friends, I always tell them that the, the Shatner series is the one true gold standard. Uh, you can have your Picards, you can have your Janeways, but I'm sorry, it's got to be a nice pastel '60s hippie nightmare if you want me on board for Star Trek watching time. Well, that's fine. I mean, 
as long as we don't bring up Abrams World, I'm I'm set for life, man. Okay. Have, you ever played the, I, have you ever played the party game Shatner? No. Oh, it's a great party game. You got to get like uh, four or five friends in on the gag, and uh, just go to like a house party, and uh, every random is like 15, 20 minutes. You point at one of the people who are playing. You say Shatner, and they have to like. Wildly gesticulate like a William Shatner death. Oh yes. Like the room is shaking. I have vaguely heard of it, but it's it was like from like one friend of a friend of a friend. I know that sounds pretentious, and it was just one of those is like yeah, none of the fucking millennials, and I'm one, unfortunately, uh, do this. You know, so you uh, let people know it is. It once you've done it a few times, and everybody kind of remembers that you. It's a thing you do at the uh, at parties. It gets so much better. Oh, I'm sure uh, that that I would die to do that. Well, then I got a. It's coincidental that you brought that up. I've been actually was thinking about a future episode, and one of them was songs that sung that William Shatner should have sang. <laughs> uh, oh, so if you want, <laughs> if you want, if he sang. Um, <laughs> if you want, I I could invite you for that. I, I'd be happy. <laughs> Keep that one open. I got a friend of mine uh, when I was in university. I got him that uh, Leonard Nimoy, uh, William Shatner compilation, Spaced Out. Yes. He thought it was the greatest Christmas gift for like five years straight. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, much like Planet of the Apes, it's funny how Star Trek it just always works its way into some kind of pop culture references, and everybody gets it, even those who don't fucking have never seen an episode or a movie. Even if, you, even if you don't get the more obscure stuff, everyone gets, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape, and uh, yeah, yeah. blew it up, you bastard, that sort of thing. Yeah, they don't get the symbolism, but anytime they see, like, a statue, some national monument, or <laughs> some kind of experiment gone wrong, you know what I mean? Like, even in a movie like Doom, you know, they're gonna get something like that, but... Yeah, no, to- totally what you mean. And yeah, same thing with Star Trek. Like, a lot of people will instantly know that you're making fun of some so good at their bad actor of all time, or so bad they're good. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so everyone kind of just knows who Shatner is, e- even those who have never seen an episode of Star Trek. Uh, that I mean, they've at least seen, you know, some some of his sitcoms and, you know, T.J. Hooker or just his other appearances, you know. With, thanks to Family Guy and Simpsons and every other cartoon. But it is funny how, like you say, it's just like, it, other references will just go out the window. It's like, you will only get it if you've seen TV for the last 20 years. So yes. if I say something like, there are four lights, you know, or have a episode where everyone's evil and has a bearded clone version of himself, you know, <laughs> then then we're in business. And Mystery Science Theater has two, you know, a bunch of different episodes and references to it throughout the series. It's scary how many of references they work in there. One that's basically their entire sci-fi channel era storyline. <laughs> you blew up the planet, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that that didn't he like blow up like three planets or four he blew planets? Up three that planets. Yeah. He's listed on Wikipedia as like a mass murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is this also how he's on trial. And I, I mean, I, I love the various episodes where the Mads back in Joel era are. Uh, you know, having to deal with evil Gypsy and yeah, <laughs> Ro and they're all, they're trapped on the satellite. That's an underrated episode. No one talks about as much. Um, I've actually seen those fuckers in person. They are again gods. I'm just yeah. they, and their podcast, uh, Movie Sign with the Mads. I, I recommend to any listener. Okay, 
because the i mean that's just it they they love movies and i think that bringing us back to our main subject i mean these movies are legit made for people who love hard sci-fi oh yeah yeah uh just man i know when this one when the rise uh of the planet of the apes was just even announced or when it was coming out i was like that tim burton one left a kind of an odd taste in my mouth so i wasn't too sure uh, but when I was, they were like, it's a hard reboot. It's all new. It shows how everything kind of gets started. I was like, all right, you got me. And then they were like, John Lithgow's in it. I was like, sign me up. It was kind of a weird, kind of strangely fascinating cast. And, and I do actually like the cast in this quite a lot, even though they arguably are kind of just there just to compliment. I mean, I wouldn't say it's their best roles to know to mankind, but they're not bad in it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you got guys like I said, like uh, John Lithgow's in it and uh, Brian Cox, and those guys are known for a lot of things, but phoning it in is not one of them. Well, that, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, I mean, it was one of those, I just got some, you know, lukewarm to overall pretty solid reviews to say, go check it out. You won't lose sleep over it. It's not bad. And so that's what I was getting. And so I, I gave it a red box. And it's just so hysterical because... I also remember this is when we adopted some kind of stray dog who became our dog and he <laughs> did a so-called great ape escape after I was done with this movie. So <laughs> I would, this movie holds a special place in my heart because of some random bullshit just as like that. But no, I really like the uh, cast in this. Uh, uh, what's his name from Reapers in it as the comedic. Oh, relief Tyler Levine. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Famous Canadian. Uh, st- another lovely Canadian Tracy Spiridakos before she got on hit shows like revolution and Chicago PD is also here for like five seconds. Uh, it's an interesting cast. And I know some people were like, I avoid it. I don't like James Franco. And it's like, yeah, you know, I like him or hate him. It's a reasonable role. And he, people seem to forget. I go by the law and order rule. Okay. And, And that if it's a good enough show, it can't be ruined by actors. And I've seen some terrible actors give really surprisingly effective performances on Law & Order. So you know what I mean? So, sometimes the magic happens, you know? And just like sometimes uh, they discuss on other podcasts how you can find some good Jess Franco movies that are surprisingly well-made over the schlocky, crappy, boring ones, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, this is definitely an example. It, I don't know what anyone had in mind. Uh, I definitely remember unfortunately the infamous apes but surprisingly uh, i mean i just held my breath you know i wasn't as prejudgmental judge a book by its cover and after a while just kind of suffice it for lack of a better comparison it kind of reminded me of uh the new battlestar galactica it was just taking an old you know sci-fi that you either really love or remember being cheesy depending on what audience you were and (laughs) It was updating it to a more gritty thing. And I actually, when I, they released this, I thought this was actually a prequel trilogy, but it's apparently just a hard reboot. But you could, it's kind of loose enough. You could kind of, if you wanted to, accept it as kind of a prequel. But See, that's how I always viewed it, um, just simply yeah. because they have the nods to, like, oh, the these astronauts are heading up into space today, which is, like, obviously it's some fan service to the original series with Charlton Heston and all that. But I think what did this for me and what really kind of got me on board with it was when it came out, 
there wasn't a lot of like it's the action hit of the summer so, yeah something like that i'm like okay so it can't it must not be an action movie and as they're watching yeah there's some exciting scenes in it but it's certainly not like a, a an action movie kind of like where i'd put maybe uh uh dawn of the planet of the apes or even more uh where there's a lot of like you know great escaping sh- guns and shooting and fighting this one here is just just straightforward telling of how the apes started to evolve which i really like that's a really good point i i never even thought of it that way but that is absolutely it in terms of how no no one was even showing any action scenes in this trailer they were just kind of just showing they were kind of doing a for lack of a better comparison kind of an inception you know kind of moment where it's like you know, they were keeping it all moody and suspenseful, having this Hans Zoomer type music playing. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go in blind. I, I, I rent it from Redbox, and next thing I know, I mean, my entire family just slowly comes in and starts watching it with me. They, they had no intent to watch this movie, and we, we, we just can't take our eyes off. It's very unusual. It's very similar to Outbreak, for lack of a yes. better Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was very surprised at how character. Uh, driven it was be it would be like as far as like dialogue and character development and all that versus uh the tim burton one which was just going to be a straightforward summer tentpole type thing yeah the the tim burton one is one of those everyone only remembers it for the what the fuck you know fu ending and yeah. the random explosions and just the batshit crazy cast you know <laughs> and oh and the lovely you know makeup by rick baker but yeah and Rick Baker had already retired by around this time, which was a damn shame because he was just fed up with the Hollywood thing. But I think that was also what drew me to it. It was just a lot of Lord of the Rings connections. You know, this is Weta Digital giving ILM a run for their money as the best, you know, motion capture visual effects company. They've mm-hmm. already beaten. That's what always pissed me off was ILM when they were doing World of Warcraft. They're like, oh, you've never seen anything like this before. I'm like, yes, we have. Wade has been doing motion capture for years with every other Peter Jackson epic. So that Lord of the Rings connection really drew me to it. It was like, okay, Andy Serkis once again playing an ape, but he's the main star, like yeah. him or hate him, you know? And, um, yeah, uh, they tried to get Serkis a Oscar performance for this, and it did not succeed because they still consider motion capture animation, which is, even after that's, ten, that's the a shame. 10 fiasco, we're still having to have this stupid conversation. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, uh, so long story short, this is another experiment gone wrong movie, and um, uh, the first half is pretty much just uh, scientists questioning the ethics of this whole, you know, experimental uh, lab. I think it's a private government contracting facility, something like that. The whole movie starts out. They do get funding uh, from external sources, because that's one of the, that's one of the things that turns the drama at the end is their funding is going to be pulled, isn't it? Yeah, uh, something to that extent. And yeah. David Olalo is also one of the executives here, you know, mm-hmm. pre, pre-Selma. Really good role for him. Uh, yeah, him and Brian Cox both pretty much had the ruthlessness. Brian Cox is pretty much just playing, you know, evil warden, basically, for lack of a better word. He's just all like, <laughs> he's apes, they're not animals. And they do it without being preachy or without just kind of rubbing it in your face, like, oh, I could have written that. You know, it's not a bad soap opera, but it is, I mean, it's a no-brainer. But, yeah. and, uh, uh, what's his name from Harry Potter is uh, really effective here. 
it's one of the first few roles I, I saw him in where he's playing a different kind of bad guy, uh, Mouth Boy. Um, okay, yeah. Not Harry Potter, but I'm, yeah, I'm not much for it either. <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, that awkward silence told us everything. Uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, no, not Warwick Davis. God damn it! Come on. Let's get the cast up here. That's what I. Tom Felton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Later joined the Stephen Bochco family, doing a bunch of other TV shows and movies. Um, just now on the Flash, apparently. And, yeah, no, good actor. Um, good for him. He's doing well. <laughs> so yeah, this was just kind of a straightforward movie. Um, I remember the visuals. The final segment, which we'll get to, really stays with you. But the movie does have re- reasonable uh, build up. It, it helps that um, uh, what's his name, uh, director uh, Rupert Wyatt, previously had experience doing. The Escapist, also with Brian Cox, and uh, which was a real life Alcatraz type, you know, prison escape movie. So this is pretty much a, you know, this is a mercenary job for him, you know, just like anyone who's an indie guy who becomes a bigger blockbuster movie filmmaker. Yeah. But it's not a hard one. And no, and it's, it's not like he had a bunch of. It doesn't seem like, anyways, that he had a bunch of studio stuff shoehorned in, like. If, yeah. if there were more studio meddling, I could see them being like, but where are the explosions? Why aren't they fighting the apes? Like that's it's funny you bring that up, because even if it had been, had studio meddling, I don't think we would have been able to tell. You know, it wouldn't have been some, you know, cats type mayhem. This is kind of more, I mean, because he's so comfortable telling this kind of story, that's, it's just, a, it could have easily been a crapshoot and it was still just straightforward. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. simple. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. 
Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucker. Hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say. Ah. Good fun stuff. Well, <laughs> you. <laughs> no, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gohpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. It's late, it's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby.
We love good movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Everything I learned from movies With a one last black holes of gratuitous movies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven at eilfm.podbean.com. We now continue with our program. Scientists uncover his unethical behavior. Uh, apes try and break out, and then apes break out and set it up for a sequel. Yep. And if it's not a sequel, then we've at least told a fun, colorful yeah. And that's it too, because with the pre-existing of like the the Charleston, uh, sorry, Charlton Heston movies and even the Tim Burton one. If this you one didn't... take away my guns, I'm kidding. I couldn't resist. Right. Over, over my pride from my cold dead paw. I um, wish, like Canada, we had gun control of that type. Because God, I'm so sick of that argument here. <laughs> it's that's the thing. Like, uh, it's not a whole whole lot of difference uh i think the big thing here with us is that just handguns aren't as readily available to the general public well that's what i mean and yeah i can't tell you how many texans yes i'm in this sorry state go ahead and laugh but uh, i don't yeah, judge but, i'm canadian well see that's what i never got i never understood why canadians get made fun of it was like okay they're canadian so what and they would always that was always a thing in the 90s they were going, oh go back, go back to your mountains ah. i'm like well what is that the thing is that we're seen as i don't know uh cheap softer not as not as on edge but i mean like when you're uh, when your beer starts at five points and yeah, and it well, just goes up from there. You're going to have a mellow country. And then, you know, of course, a couple of years ago, they legalized the weed. So, Yeah, you got that. And Kiefer's uh, uh, grandfather, I think it is, uh, Tommy Douglas, to thank for good health care. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he was the, and he was apparently named the greatest Canadian by us Canadians. Fucking well, A. Yeah, and so, yeah, we got the health care tobacco here in the States, and then we got there's so many people who think you need the NRA to have gun control. It's like, no, you don't. You just need pawn shops that are law-abiding. You don't need – because the NRA is the ones who hand out guns at conventions under the table to kids and yeah. all that shit. So it's just stupid how we got all this reverse psychological bullshit. We have people who believe in conspiracies, but only if it comes from Alex Jones. It's like, well, Alex Jones is the exact example of a bullshit conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he takes existing conspiracies and then he adds his fecal matter to it and then it's no longer a, cons- a legit conspiracy. No. And so this is kind of cool how it kind of – this movie itself, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, kind of has kind of a – I wouldn't say a conspiracy, but it has some kind of you know evil-doing government influence to it without yeah. being just so in-your-face, like one-sided, if that makes sense. It kind of does the – what other future blockbuster franchises like Sicario and – even some of the government, you know, they couldn't do too, they couldn't do too too much in that regard. I think, because yeah. the they idea that they were driving home <laughs> wasn't going to be government is, you know, it's it was more about the the hubris of man in general. 
Mm-hmm. They were already so, taking a gamble. I mean, Fox yeah. wanted this franchise back, you know, but they didn't have any of the lads or anyone else, you know, overseeing it. And, you know, they, they, they played it just very safe. They, they didn't want a repeat of the 2001 movie that have divided and in many ways, just pissed off a lot of ape fans. And which I was surprised that there were, to be honest, uh, at the time. Anyways, I didn't really? realize how big it was. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I saw so many people talking about it because, I mean, it came out, you know, around the same time as, you know, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars prequels and every other just large scale, you know, pre Avatar franchise, you know, it was coming out. It's supposed to be a big franchise. And then you see Marky Mark, you know, talking about it years later, he's like, oh, yeah, and how I think it was Jimmy Fallon. He talked about it like circa 2012, where he's like, Anytime he sees his kids watching that movie, he always turns it off. He's like, oh. Don't. <laughs> and so yeah, that that joins the happening with a movie he is not proud of. But uh, if I were his kids in that situation, I'd be on the right on You'd the- be watching it all day, sneaking it out. <laughs> not only that, they'd be like, "Come on, Dad, you were you hung out with the Funky Bunch, all right? This is heads <laughs> and shoulders above that." surprised there wasn't a funky bunch music video for that fucking movie <laughs> he was long away from that because i know but it'd be funny what it, if it was a super mario brothers everybody dance the ape no oh. no <laughs> right. anyhow anyhow we always go off topic of this goddamn show um so um so a lot of people identified this movie at the time as being a remake of conquest um uh, I think that's fair, but they avoided the term because, you know, they were calling this, you know, an origin story or a mm. reboot. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much, uh, at the end of the day, this is one of the best remakes of all time. Since yes, that's absolutely. Sure. And uh, Rick Schaffer and Amanda Silver later worked on, you know, they worked on the remaining scripts for this. They had this whole template in place. And you can tell they're very much like, you know, even famous sci-fi you know original and for hire uh writers like kevin j anderson they understand good sci-fi you know they've been studying you know the shit out of everything from asmob to you know arthur c clark you know that's the kind of stuff they are they identify with and they know how to do somehow for this modern day audience and so it is cool how i mean i'm happy that they worked on you know the jurassic world franchise i'm not happy at all with how that franchise went but because you know because you know the story behind that the director wasn't getting along with the studio because he came from an indie background so he just fucked around and had a lot of campy humor and said i don't give a fuck and that's the result that movie and that's that's what we could have had uh if you know if it had been somebody else with the you know i'm so glad they fired him from star wars but i'm not sure that the other choices they went with were any better (laughs) i still secretly to see the josh trank star wars Oh but with God. the yeah because I, I knew people who worked on that fantastic four 2015 misfire and they're like oh we had some good shit and they cut it all up yeah. <laughs> like and yeah, yeah i I'm, heard he was he had some grievances with the editorial liberties the studio took with his with that one. Oh, that and miles teller was just being an absolute prick just refused to do everything mm. walk up the walk up here no <laughs> get down no so yeah here here we have a lot of that no means no bullshit here going on with the apes being tortured 
it does it without being disturbing, but at the same time, I mean, it's a it's a medium, you know, PG thirteen. I mean, you do see a lot of apes getting fucking bloodied up. Yeah. Not as graphic as Congo. Holy shit, Congo no. would be great at art today. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of people getting shot the fuck up in that movie, but uh, yeah, it, uh, I like kind of how it doesn't play it safe, yet at the same time, it doesn't. It doesn't go all fucking morbid, if you know what I mean. Like, it's not it's, of its own ass with its with the the message it's trying to convey. It do, it keeps it heavy enough for you know that it's a serious movie, but light enough to realize this is gonna lead to talking apes. This is better than Avatar. <laughs> you no, don't need no, three hours not, to tell the story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, not gonna argue on that one because i don't oh, even yeah. own a copy of avatar that's how little it, i thought I, but... such a nitpick about predictable blockbusters and he went and saw that fucking piece of shit twice in the theater i was like what what the hell what happened i thought you hated predictable movies it's not like anything else i've ever seen yes it is it's thern goalie <laughs> i was gonna say did <laughs> you ever watch the smurfs when you were a kid <laughs> <laughs> yes he did <laughs> i was right uh th- so yeah, this is a on a five scale rating. Uh, I'd give this a four. The CGI hasn't held up as well, but no. it's not the worst kind of CGI. It's it tells the story, you know. It's it's TV budget CGI, and that's okay. Yeah, I'll let because, it. I mean, you got to consider it. they weren't looking to take a they were looking to take a risk, but not a huge huge risk. If this paid off, bigger budgets would come. Mm-hmm. It was already a gamble, so I mean. And the CGI really doesn't stick out like a sore thumb until they're actually, like, escaping through the glass and everything. It's just only here and there. I mean, the ape itself stuff looks great. Yeah. It's pretty much follows the Star Wars Lord of the Rings template where you know it's CGI, but it's not distracting. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not Gods of Egypt where you're just like... Oh, jeez. That movie. <laughs> <sighs> I know. I had to bring that up because I, I got to give everyone a template. It's not even goofy, like, Clash of the Titans. <sighs> It's more, it, it is definitely telling the story, you know, it's General Grievous, Saruman level CGI, mm-hmm. you know? it's, it's good stuff. So I, it, it's Yoda level CGI and yeah. granted there are people who are still going to bitch about CGI anyway. And I'm like, okay, well that's on you. You can't say that. I mean, there's people who do the whole, some people like shaky cam and track and shop and other people hate it. It's like, no, that. There's good examples of all. I mean, there are. I hate. I hate fucking Dogma ninety five style movies. But guess what? There's bound to be at least five good ones out there. Mm-hmm. You know, don't knock the genre until you try. I mean, there's. I hate to say it. There is good country music, and I hate country music. But there's bound to be some good country music. Like, well, no, can... and that's and that's just it. And that's a, actually a really good argument because, like, for the longest time, I was. Listen I don't shit. listen to I... this. I don't listen to this. I don't listen to this. And right. then you find out that there's one or two or three things from that particular genre that you legitimately, you know, that you would like. And you have to say, yeah, I don't normally listen to it, but this is some good stuff. Uh, I feel that, like, obviously, uh, like Hank Williams the third, as far as country music goes, uh, it's got a really edgy, it's a dirtier, almost a punk type feel to it. That's a good example. I, and I mean, it's one of those, much like rap music, you got to dig through the good, f- around to find the ruby, the, the oh, diamond. Yeah. 
Because like, if you want, if you listen to this shit on the radio, you will fucking hate rap music for life. But if you actually go to like the old school stuff, you're like, you know, I fucking love Body Count with Ice T. <laughs> yeah, I, the, uh, the, I, the Coup are they're one of my favorite hip hop uh, groups, and I've only heard of them because of like just around the internet. Like it, I've never heard a song of theirs. Uh, on the radio, I've never seen a video of theirs on TV. It's so ever. sad that we're to that point. I mean, yeah. We have to go to internet forums. We have to go to a Reddit or a Tumblr to say, "Hey, what do you suggest for people like this?" Okay, I'll tell you. You know, I need no, to show. The way I see it is like there's uh there's a lot of good stuff out there, and if you really want good stuff, you'll put in the legwork to find it. It does suck that I can't get like some really great, legitimately good mainstream music but if i gotta dig i gotta dig that's how it is i totally feel you on that we we fortunately have kxt uh which is part of the npr uh okay. family and it plays a lot of just local music mixed with very older stuff so i mean if you want to hear classic uh sarah mclaughlin shania twain mixed with uh, a bunch of other alternative artists like soul coffin and uh uh, lesser played Bowie, uh, that's definitely the one you want a lot, as well as just more recent stuff that no one plays. So you get a lot of that, and I mean, like you say, there is an escape route, but it's not an easy escape. So no. speaking but of anything escapes, worth getting is good, you know. If anything's worth getting, it's worth it's worth putting in the work for. I find absolutely, yeah. it's worth escaping to. Um, now that I have Apple Music, I don't ever have to buy music ever again. I just have to surf around for people I've been meaning to listen to. And it yep. makes my work day go a lot faster when I got that plane in my car. Uh, speaking of escapes, yeah, the finale escape uh, happens in the last about 30 minutes of this movie. And it's yep. well earned. It's well merited. You you pretty much have a who's who. Uh, the stunt coordinator and I think one of the bridge officers of this is Dan Shia, who's best known for his work on various other TV shows, as well as Canada's own favorite, Stargate SG-1 family, where he was not only the stunt coordinator, but also played Skylar, the guy who gets beat up each time the gate opens, as well as being Richard Dean Anderson's stunt double. So that's a mouthful. <laughs> he had three different responsibilities. I've talked to him on Facebook uh, about how I liked his work on Psych. Yeah, he did the stunt coordination on that. He's a very nice fella with a great sense of humor. So uh, there, there's a few other guys who I see in every other Canada production, and we'll get to some more of that, especially on part three. Um, uh, I really think, again, the premise just pays off. Uh, by that point, everyone's like, okay, we need the final shed of, we, we need the final bit of bloodshed. <laughs> we definitely need yeah. that now. Yeah, so let's get it going. Um, and more or less, it, it's just cool to just also be seeing how uh, they have again elevated to this level without feeling like they're trying to one up i don't know anything else that was the craze back in the day like the dark knight <laughs> just like yeah it, it was definitely happy being what it was because it's one it, one of those few movies that is it's self-aware without being a winky about it you know what i mean absolutely uh john grace He's a big karate expert. We all differ on movies and politics, but he is a hysterical when it comes to just letting out some dry wit and sarcasm. Uh, uh, what was it? I think when 
uh, what's his name? Uh, the director of The Crow, Robert Proas, came out oh. with Gods of, Gods of Egypt. He was like, well, <laughs> at least no one died on set this time. It was like, oh, ouch. But then, but I loved how he really liked a lot of these new old school Godzilla and King Kong. And we'll get to Godzilla later. But he was talking about how he got so sick of everyone going endlessly about how it's slow and everything. He's like, well, you aren't the audience for this. This is the audience for people who grew up watching it, you know, on 70s antenna channels. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I've I've got some things to say about the, the 2014 Godzilla when we get to it. Uh, oh, by all means. I know there's a lot of folks who were like, I had to wait this long to see him. It's like, okay, it's a Godzilla movie, and it's supposed to yeah. be the first of a reboot. You're not getting Godzilla right out of the gate. you got to wait a little bit. Pretty much. And... <laughs> Uh, Godzilla is pretty much, and this Apes franchise, they're pretty much doing the Avengers thing. Take yeah. it slow. Yes. Have have winks and nods. Don't overdo it. Have something for everybody. So those who don't get it, get it. Do, do what Terminator Dark Fate did. And whether you like it or hate it, uh, all I'm saying is have the re-homages and shot references, but still tell the story, as opposed to do what Genesis, or Genesucks as I call it, oh did. Oh my god. Just, you got... One, you got J.J. Abrams level homages, which is like, well, that's not storytelling. That's just, it's just a Saturday Night Live. Waving at us, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like, but but there's no parody. It's just, <laughs> and I cute. You just take my money, suckers, <laughs> and give me money, motherfuckers. So yeah, it's got that kind of thing. Anyway, John Gray's had a hysterical thing. He's like, I'm surprised. I think it was when Dawn of the Apes came out, and he's he just goes on and says. I was expecting Samuel Jackson or yeah Nick Fury to come out and recruit all the apes at the end. <laughs> I'm like tie it uh, all in. Sign me up. I those those fuckers would. I'm sorry. Uh, unless it's Captain America, they would fucking lay waste to everybody. <laughs> Not even Iron Man could get his hands on him. Those fuckers would Ewok his ass. You know. <laughs> what are you gonna do when you got twelve insane bonobos? jumping you with a chimpanzee trying to rip your face off yeah um and that pretty much is also kind of why i like this this takes advantage of the whole you know it's violent without being gruesome it's serious without being unpleasant and it again it just goes back to the whole you know caveman mentality it's like you can actually kill someone with your fucking fist and i like how again they got all these they got a whole fucking swat team as well as a helicopter and a bunch of other mercenaries with machine guns. They are fucking outnumbered. And I like how, I mean, you can fucking differentiate between all the apes. Cause I mean, you got the, you know, Coco, the gorilla type, as I call her. Yeah. I call him my bad. Um, Maurice, and, isn't it? The big one, the orange one? I think one? so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does take a few rewatches to kind of get all the names, but I like how they're all well characterized. And uh, some of these ac- other actors, including, and we'll get to that later. Even got awards for the sequels. I couldn't yeah. believe it when I read it. I was like, no way. They got awards? Okay, cool. Happy for you. I wouldn't say it's your best role, but I mean, uh, these guys are legit good actors. I mean, yes. Uh, oh, the, I, uh, I I got to see when War for the Planet of the Apes came out. Uh, War, sorry, not War for, War of uh, yes. came out. Uh, no, it's four, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. War for the Planet of the Apes. That's the 2017 one. When that came out, uh, Andy Circus was on um, Colbert, 
and they show yes, they that. show the morph from him doing the mocap into layering everything over and him becoming Caesar. And <laughs> he's acting that he is acting that part. It's not just motion capture. Yeah. He the voice and everything, and that's what pisses me off that you show that to the Academy. I mean, they already don't know how it goes. They go I've had to tell people this several times. You do realize they line it up with whatever studio pays them the most money, and no one believes me. I'm like, well, look it up. I'm not making this shit up. And that's pretty much it. They go by on either that, whatever pays, or on, uh, again, they're just not paying attention. They don't realize they're doing what they're doing with, you know, Call of Duty and other video games since O2, where, again, they're both acting it out and providing the voice because that's just it. They recorded it all in one spot and, you yep. know, did ADR if they needed to. Um, and, uh, yeah, Maurice is played by Karen Carnaval. She is just very pleasant, very attractive, very uh, a scene stiller, if ever there was one. She's starred in a lot of cult uh, horror films as well as done, you know. If you've seen Sci-Fi Channel or every other Canadian show, you've seen her make a bunch <laughs> of appearances. I mean, she has been on X-Files and Beyond and a bunch of other stuff a few different times. She's actually on one hysterical episode of Psych where she plays like this old folks gal who's very controlling. Oh, and yes. I've just wikied her. I've seen her on a lot of stuff, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, uh, True Calling, uh, 40 for 100, brief recurring roles on The Dead Zone, Da Vinci's Inquest, and she's <laughs> appeared as different characters on Stargate. I definitely like her in independent movies that no one's seen like the stick out with James Spader, the tooth fairy 2016 and unthinkable with Michelle Forbes. So yeah, it, she's also in 2012 as Danny Glover's president, Danny Glover's secretary. So yeah, she's, she's done everything. Uh, I wish she was in more ro roles. I, I definitely, the last thing I saw her in was continuum where she plays uh, an older version of one of the main characters and the BBC show intruders, but that's it. Uh, uh, she definitely got a lot of awards from this, and uh, I'm well deserved because the the cool thing with the with the Maurice character is you know the way it's it's set up to be like not only an advisor gentle but, giant yeah yeah gentle giant and the the better part of Caesar as far as Absolutely. like his, his humanity for lack of a better term and you can tell these. These fuckers have just worked day in and out just to get the right movement. You know, they don't want, you know, cheesy cartoon, you know, Saturday morning. They want, you know, they want, for lack of a better comparison, kind of the 92 X-Men, if that makes sense. They, they're giving you that kind of origin story mixed with, you can tell they've been watching endless hours of Coco the Gorilla, you know? Yeah. Well, and, just, and that's it. Like, if you're going to get that movement, that's what, that's what you do. And, I mean, I joke a lot of times about, like, method actors who act like assholes because they're like oh well, i'm this character the entire time it's like that's not how that works you pretty know? much i mean i i've known people who said uh vincent d'onofrio and denzel washington on the new uh uh magnificent seven were pretty method actor but it was the best kind you know they're just in character when you talk to them and approach them they're not they're not you know Daniel Day-Lewis level where, you know, I'm going to stay the same or it's and like, shit okay. in my pants. <laughs> yeah, we get it. You're a freak. Knock it off. 
<laughs> and I don't mind Daniel Day-Lewis compared to the other method actors who are just way out of line. It's even funnier how fellow Canadian Michael Ironside is a well-known method actor, but he's oh. the right kind. He talks in character. So, you know, if you've ever encountered him on Starship Troopers or Highlander 2, for lack of a better comparison, yeah, he was definitely talking in character. But it's not like he was, you know, legit trying to go out of his way to creep you out, you know. And that's how you should do it, you know. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of people, like, the whole, I hate to say it, I don't want to defend Christian Bell, but uh, the cam- I, the cameraman of Terminator Salvation, for instance, <laughs> was wrong to approach and be in his acting zone. He got too fucking close. But that fault goes down to whoever the assistant director or even, you know, the main director was. It's like, hey, man, you're going over the scotch tape. Stay the fuck away. <laughs> And and in that situation, Brennan and I have talked about it before too. Oh, good. <laughs> I just feel like, you know what? It's okay. I get it. If you're upset, be upset with the guy and get the uh, the AD or you know the director or someone say, can you get him back, please? Because it's distracting. Uh, just one second. Sorry, my wife's out of town, so I gotta take this real quick. Uh, all good. All good. Hey. More dog and rabbit food for you, Ma. More dog and rabbit food. You got it. Sorry about that. You all good? Yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just washing my hands. I had to swat a moth. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, uh, you guys did do a hit. I was, li- I almost shat, shat my pants listening to your takedown of Terminator Genesis and how. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what I, like, what I was saying is that it, it, they, he was, the camera guy was in the wrong for maybe encroaching on the spot where he shouldn't have been, but it wasn't Christian Bale's place to freak out like that. No, I totally concur. I mean, they're already, I've encountered it on plenty of indie, let alone amateur productions. Uh, and so I'm just done. I, I will only work with certain actors if they're from other states. Uh, I, it's that bad. I'm getting a bunch of people who refuse to say lines of dialogue just because, oh, it's against my religion to curse. And you had five months to tell me that, motherfucker. Yeah. You don't get to take over and hold the movie ransom like that. Especially, what if I was paying you? Then well, that's what? it. I mean, even if it is... Even if it's anything you're doing for a handshake and a ham sandwich, it's and a hand job maybe. Knowing how off color Hollywood is, it's like <laughs> there are so many moments where everyone just seems to want to do reach arounds or suck each other off, and it's like, <laughs> good God, the movie isn't out yet. You if you're gonna take, the... if you're gonna take the, you're gonna take the gig, and you read the script, and you see something that could be problematic. If you're any very decently halfway professional as an actor, you're gonna say, oh. By the way, I've got a problem with this, this, or this. Yeah. And can we Or better yet, it? just don't take it. Just just don't take it. Well no, you yeah. can always you can always broach the subject of can it be reworked? And if the you know, the guy who's 
you know, directing or wrote it or something. He's like, no, it needs to be this way because this is why. Then it's perfectly fine to say, well, you know what? I don't want to waste any more of your time. So I'm sorry. I can't take it. Yeah. And seeing how so many script writers, they don't want to credit just due to the writing guilds rules. And because they didn't change the story, they just changed lines of dialogue. It's just so fucking ridiculous how, Movies like the 2001 Planet of the Apes had several rewrites by the producers and other uncredited scribes. I remember Graham Yoss being one of them listed, you know, the writer of Speed and Creator of Justified. And uh, same thing with Terminator. It's like all those movies suffer for just too many cooks in the kitchen. It's like, okay, this is why these feel like leftovers from Transformers, Star Wars, and even, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, Irvin Allen type disaster movies. You know what I mean? So it's just like these du- – these. This is the, why everyone's had a love-hate relationship with that franchise. And the same thing, fortunately, it's not really the case here. They just fortunately were able to get a lot of a husband and wife unknown team and just take the gamble and leave them alone. And yeah. I w- now that Disney has o- owns Fox, I would not be surprised if there was a ch- another cheesy Planet of the Apes cartoon show. See, I, I hope that doesn't happen i really do there's gonna be a caesar and princess line just you wait i'm just kidding don't just kidding put that into the ether i was joking about star wars disney princesses even before they bought it i was i was like it was inevitable it was like go figure that sort of thing into the collective unconscious it it's bound to happen no it made sense there have been so many star wars shows at disney world long before that so you can see the dollar signs just (laughs) Hopefully there isn't any other monopolies that fuck with any other franchises because there's already so many franchises that we'll never see a conclusion to. So uh, I like how they pretty much knew where to stop. They're just like, let's do two more, and that's yeah. it. That's fucking and it. I think the the it tells a complete arc. Uh, the story's good. Uh, you get to see Caesar from the beginning to his end. Um, so even if there's never the a humans, sequel, yeah. It's it told a complete story, and I would be completely satisfied with that. Now, Absolutely. if they do another sequel, and you know it's of the same caliber, I'm all on board. <laughs> Beneath the planet of the apes, there's another nuke bomb that goes. <laughs> 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 no, uh, it's not that. Uh, I know a lot of people hated how the planet of the apes franchise kind of got drawn out at the time, but they're kind of appreciated nowadays. I, I still am in the process of revisiting them, and I'm down to even do an episode on that when I finally get off my ass and do it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I like how this should please most fan, general fans of the 70s movies as well as newcomers of the Avengers DC era. Um, yeah, because, I mean, uh, the like the first one is a great origin story it sets up it's got a good build and an excellent conclusion and then when we move when you move into uh to dawn and war the you don't you can you can put in a little more campiness because you're supposed to be in a time where the apes are the least evolving to be able to use tools uh the way humans do in fact we see that uh, where they get the, when they get a hold of the guns. Uh, Absolutely. We have yeah. enough to fill in the blanks. We know that there's been probably free other world wars in society. You know, that's my version of the future, at least. I don't know. But, I mean, they give you a timetable. They even show pictures of the other actors in Dawn. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love how perfect casting on the unfortunate neighbor who happens to be a air flight 
attendant or flight attendant or backup pilot or whatever for an airline played by David Hewlett of Stargate Atlantis fame. And he just always is the perfect go-to, you know, face in all of his roles. (laughs) Just having him be the guy who got scratched by the ape and eventually infects most of, you know, 60% of mankind, you know, that was great. And kudos to whoever did the end animation is like the movie's ending, but we're getting a bigger picture as it's going on. It's like, that's perfect. I don't have to wait for a stupid Easter egg. And we'll get more into that on Don. So yeah, Don picks up 10 years after rise. Forgot about that. 10 years establishes the simian flu. And it's basically, it's not Mad Max territory, but it is basically rival, you know, warrior territory. Definitely more heavy Battlestar Galactica level. Yeah, they're not, uh, they're not like living in a desert wasteland. It's yeah, I'm kind of liking it to like the the way the folks in The Last of Us, if you ever played that, uh, it's it's like that, especially some of the ending visual explosive sequences. Uh, this is kind of where they get a bit slightly bigger character actor cast. I mean, they show James Franco's character in a portrait, and I thought that was good. It's like you don't need don't need to bring him back. Don't need to do a forced, you know. Flash no, because it's yeah, it's Caesar's story. It's not the humans' story. Yeah, it's not it's not their story. And this is just one of the few rare franchises where you know this is like if you did a movie where it was all about Yoda's family, <laughs> for lack of a better comparison. This is basically it, you know. Yeah. If you did a, you know, and you could do that with some movies. Like if you did a movie about, I don't know just Klingons or the Borg on Star Trek, it would not work. But if you did, in my opinion, but if you did, again, a movie about a bunch of hobbits or doing a Dane Rangers from Lord of the Rings, this is pretty much it. You know, it's just, you got some kind of rival clan of a bigger overarching story, you know, years before they were having to do a spinoff to every fucking movie ever, whether it was Snake Eyes or Hobbs and Shy. And so uh, this kind of has a spinoff story in and of itself, but, it's still a direct sequel, if that makes sense. Yeah, it be- and then because again, like you said, it's it's Caesar's story, so he's the the ever present center figure for all of them. So I mean, if you go into any of these movies hoping to see, uh, you know, an actor from the previous reprise a role, you're out of luck. Definitely. I wasn't crazy about uh, Matt Reeves's earlier stuff, you know, with Cloverfield and all that. But I mean, he wasn't a bad director or writer. He just was a guy who had spent a lot of time directing and writing for television. Um, he was also known for his Let Me In, which is a remake of the Swedish film Let yep. the Right One In. Uh, and uh, he had also done various episodes of Relativity and Homicide, as well as known uh, being known for creating the show Felicity and writing a script that became Under Siege 2. So, yeah, he had plenty of movies and shows. Uh, pedigree. True pedigree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's currently working on The Batman. I'll probably watch that when it comes to HBO, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. An actor no. can break up a few people. <laughs> I just... It's one of those things now where I have to be like... I, I will have to look at it in an objective view because you I've been wrong about it. others before. Well, there's that, and I mean... People are always like, did you see the news trailer? And I always say, no, fuck no. Why would I? They're going to give away all the best parts if I do. Or it'll just totally fuck with you. It won't be the movie. It's just going to cater to what the millennials want. I mean, everyone's already saying, you're going to watch the new Candyman trailer? I'm like, no, 
I'm gonna. It's already got my money opening day. Tony Todd's coming back. I'll go in with an open mind. I and either be disappointed or really like it. So, but I'm not gonna let the trailer do that. I'm not yeah. gonna let it me. With a remake, I'm I'm not as apt to see the trailer, but with something that's new that I I, I hear about or kind of am looking forward to, I I'll definitely break that rule. Like I'm glad I saw the trailer for the new Invisible Man because yeah, I had a few TV spots for that, and from what I'm hearing, it's definitely not an absolute you know zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. A score like the mummy with tom cruise it's definitely not that level of ineptness you know it's it's just it, it was one of those you know originally this was supposed to be you know universal classic horror monsters were supposed to be rebooted avengers style and they didn't do that after that movie tanked but they still wanted to do something with it so it seems like a lot of people are saying it's hollow man but good <laughs> like you guys yeah no and that's and that's what i've been getting at too is that it, it's from you know from the same company that you know produced truth or dare i mean, it's it's a, it's a pretty good movie so pretty much and 2014 was a pretty cool blockbuster year we already had we already had so many other sci-fi movies out that same year i mean obviously we had captain america 2 and then we had the purge anarchy both Frank Grillo classics. <laughs> still, my, all, my, still my favorite Purge, second one. Absolutely, yeah. Escape from New York meets Pantagram. That's how you do it. Uh, and we had the Robocop remake, which divided the fan base. Uh, uh, I'll, that's a totally different subject to cover. Uh, <laughs> I personally like it, but I don't think it's better than the original, obviously. Uh, obviously. <laughs> I, just th- I just think it's just one of those they spend a lot of time just showing how he actually looked inside. But I, I think the casting is a legit issue, I guess, with some. It could have been a little stronger, but I don't know. See, I like Joel Kim, and I just feel the poor guy gets gets the crap luck when it comes to being in movies. He's good if he's on a TV show, and a TV show can actually be legitimately good and or successful with him on it. But it seems every time he's in a movie, people are like, no thanks. Pretty much. Uh, his best role to date is still easily either the Informer or Run All Night, where he plays Liam Neeson's troubled son. Yeah. I liked, uh, as far as like television for me, I've always liked him on uh, The Killing. and um, He probably has a better career than Address Elba, though. Because whenever <laughs> I see Address Elba in a movie, I'm, I'm like, oh, there's no way this can be good. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, I just everything. Hey, you, the Dark Tower, no thanks. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I see. I I was, I was a defender for it. Um, I'm not That's a fine. complete detractor, but I'm That's not fine. saying it was fantastic. <laughs> In fact, I was, I was glad that I heard. Hey, if you're going to see it, it's not going to be anything like the book. It's supposed to be a different trip around the tower. Uh, yeah, I had no okay. books to base it on. I just saw just a goofy looking Mad Max type movie. <laughs> but no, that's I've fine. All books. They're so good. That's good. <laughs> I just can't do hard sci-fi like I used to. <laughs> oh. uh, but so, there yeah, are a lot of good sci-fi novels that could be movies. And I feel like Dawn of the Apes is pretty much, it's taking that full. It's like, yeah. okay. So and I, I, like it. I like it this because, uh, you know, there, there, 
they didn't make it as I don't know if the word dry would fit here, but it wasn't as it wasn't as obviously dialogue and uh, character development. It didn't but, need it. It'd be because no, everything was in had... place. You knew who Caesar was. The and sign language was a good idea. Exactly, and they explained everything right out of the uh, right of the gate. Ten years afterwards, Simeon flew and go. And of course, we're always going to have people who can't do a movie with subtitles. It's like, well, it's inevitable, especially yeah. in a spy movie. Would you rather a American, a German guy talking American? Wouldn't make any fucking sense. Uh, the worst. It doesn't work. <laughs> It, it, each time there's going to be someone who says, why are they talking with American accent? They're clearly German and they're in Germany. Yeah, why would the Ger- why exactly. are the Germans speaking English to each other? Yeah, if I was German, I'd be like, fuck you, American. You better fucking interpret what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so obviously we're going to have people who go, oh, it didn't have the best dialogue in the world. Not about the dialogue. Oh, it had subtitles. Well, go fuck yourself. Get glasses. <laughs> Uh, I, I love my local radio, Bo and Jim, uh, uh, who do play classic rock, but they, they were totally roasting a bunch of movies. They're like, I don't like subtitles because I don't want to have to think when I listen. I'm like, well, it's impossible not to think when you're watching a movie unless you just want bottom of the barrel mindless shit on, you know, I don't know. Well, showtime. Okay. <laughs> I've got to, I don't know, my, I guess my view on subtitles is if it's going to be a legitimately good movie and it's, it's story driven and the characters are well drawn. Yeah. Please give me the subtitles. I want to hear it. I want to hear their voice. I want to hear their, their nuanced delivery. Don't give us, if the I'm rate. watching camera, <laughs> I have no problems throwing on the dub because I am not looking for pathos in a Gamera movie. Yeah, you're not looking, looking for Shakespeare. I'm looking for things. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are Mystery Science Theater classics, and I legit like some of those movies, but hey, you know, it's Gamera. You don't That's want it. Like, if, it's, if it's that, give me a dub. Please give me a dub. I'm not looking to exercise my brain in any real way when I'm watching a Gamera movie. Better yet, give us the best version available, you know? And it's funny how with the one of the '90s cameras, they ended up redubbing it with a bunch of redneck voices to add. I saw that. That was great, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you had the apes talking, it would be a fucking goofy movie. It, yeah. it would not work. It'd be just no, lame. And it also because of the way things do develop over the the series, the you know the more they talk or the more they evolve you would get that in a later movie not one just 10 years 10 years isn't going to give them uh you know fluid language skills pretty much i mean you just don't want that you don't want something that's just so overblown and just full of itself and so uh this brings me to my next point we have some lovely Overlining by Mark Bumbeck, who did one of my favorite uh, late 90s thrillers called The Night Caller, and has later been better known for doing blockbuster movies like Unstoppable, Live Free or Die Hard, The Wolverine movies, and yeah, and The Outlaw King. And here he's basically, uh, again, just doing a lot of his bigger outlining. He's also better known for doing his the TV show Legends and with Sean Bean. Underrated spy show. Okay. Uh, season two is a mixed bag, but definitely see <laughs> season one if you want to. Well, like if you see that, that is how you do an undercover story with spies. Okay. As opposed to everything other 
bullshit that was on TNT or USA where you're like, I know the story before it ends. I <laughs> I liked it better when it was called Point Break. You know, you know what I mean? They, <laughs> and TV likes to doesn't seem to know how to market, let alone not insult its audience. You know what I mean? They they and Dawn of the Apes knows seems to be able to pull off. Here's how you do an epic without overwhelming people and telling them everything. And that's kind of the problem with half of today's TV shows is like, you have to just wait half a season or the high, entire season to even say whether it was worth a fuck or not. And I don't have time for that. I'm not going to be bored if it's Netflix or some other show just taking their sweet time or not really knowing what it is. You got to pretty much know yeah. it in there. And just but all the years of Star Trek Voyager, we're, we're past it, baby. We can't. <laughs> we, we we can't wait for it to get good. We got we it, it's got to be either good or not worth a fuck. That's for sure. That's my opinion. But uh, no, this is a good year for sci-fi, and I like how again Caesar is the only real one who's talking. Because yes, it's just and yet the skill he's surpassed is it's cool that he's got not only having to fight the humans who have mixed bags about actually fighting the apes. But he's also got a mutiny with the one and only Koba. Koba. Koba, yeah. And I totally missed the after credits scene when this came out. I had no idea. Okay. Uh, it was a good movie, but I mean, I, I had no idea. I did not know about that. Um, and much like its predecessor, I, the script, effects, and box office were all applauded and well done. Uh, it received free visual effects society awards and an Oscar nom. So, uh, yeah, uh, some people think it's those who weren't on board with the last one, obviously didn't see any merit in this one. And those who liked the last one definitely found this one. I would definitely recommend even seeing this first. If you haven't seen any of them, if you got to see one, yeah, if you're, if you're not super hot on finding out, you know, what caused the mass extinction or anything yeah, like you that. Just if you just want to the... see the start of the planet of the apes, you start right here because it's going to have a lot of, there's some great acting in it. Uh, there's some fantastic character development. The story is, uh, it, it'll pull you in and it'll make you want to stick around for the eventual sequel. Everything Terminator Salvation should have been. Yes. <laughs> we've given that movie so many dubs by this time it's not even funny and i've seen it a bunch of times but it's just so and always had mixed that is one movie i always have mixed expressions each time i watch it it's that fucking ridiculous <laughs> some days i get really agitated by some days i really like it and other days i just uh, this is just cheese for salvation for me like the i think the biggest thing about it was the original ending that was planned and then changed. Yes. And then they took that and put that horseshit in Genesis. I'm like, God damn it. That should have been salvation. Yeah. And, and it would have made, it would have just been the best reward instead of he just plants a charge and it blows all up. <laughs> it's like, no, I need something more. At, oh, Marcus, I'm going to sacrifice myself after I've been tortured by it. Oh, movie. I had no idea. I actually liked John Connor. Just even near John Connor. <laughs> uh yeah uh dawn of the apes uh does enough characterization without overdoing it or underdeveloping it uh, obviously we're still having people uh, compare this to other apocalyptic movies they hate or do like uh 
I'm sorry. I'll I'll take this over Mad Max Fury Road. I can't do it. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Just yeah. back it I up right there. there. Uh, I went there. <laughs> that no, not okay. Not that totally movie. Okay. Twenty-five times conservatively, I've seen that movie. I love that movie. I'm glad you can watch it. I can't do today's po- apocalyptic movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just I everything about That's... it was oh, it was it was stylized. The the, the uh, overabundance of practical effects that were used. Uh, just the, oh. I'll give you practical effects, but the editing killed it for me. Oh, I loved it. I love this. Yeah. I love this too, but I loved <laughs> uh, That's fine. Uh, whatever you can handle. I, I can't do Tom Hardy blockbusters. I can't. <laughs> I know. I've just offended every Mad Max fan on the planet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can do the cancel first... culture is going to kick in. Oh, shit. I can do the first three movies. <laughs> can't do them. But no, that's fine. I mean, to be fair, Mad Max does uh, have problems. Oh, you it don't did. do that? <laughs> <laughs> to be yeah. fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Darling. Uh, yeah, so Mad Max has cars. These movies, these eight, eight movies don't have any cars. So that's pretty much what's missing from him. I mean, I could totally see Caesar driving a big ass pickup truck or with spikes on it, run people over. Jay and the best friend bear. <laughs> the oh, later years. Oh no! Yeah, there you go. Uh, they got to be making uh, a BJ McKay reference in 2020, but BJ. here we are. Uh, I'm surprised they haven't remade BJ and the Bear. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm telling you, Netflix could just snatch it right up. They could make it. Uh, they could be encountering wacky characters from episode to episode. I'd watch it. Uh, there you go, McCloud and Caesar. <laughs> private, private eyes. <laughs> Better yet, while we're at it, let's do a Hardcastle, McCormick, Cagney and Lacey, or even a Simon and Simon reboot while we're at it. <laughs> fuck with everybody's favorite shows from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> I see. Uh, I, I take take the uh, uh, take the lesser Stephen J. Cannell ones and go wild with them. That's what I say. Oh, okay. So let's <laughs> review 21 Jump Street again. <laughs> <laughs> we're about to jump in your ape's ass. That's that joke backfired. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, in 2020, live your best life. It's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm already in 2020 and living my worst life. So there you go. Ouch. <laughs> I'm kidding. I kid. I got a good job. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, right side. At least at least you're not having to forage for uh, medicines and berries in ape-infested forest. That is true, too. I mean, at least I'm not crazy warlord Gary Oldman, who's a step down from Air Force One and Leon crazy, but still pretty crazy. Yeah. Destroy the apes. I will. This dude's a fucking dick. Do it. Do it. Yeah, he's pretty much. That's as Mad Max as it gets. I take it back. (laughs) Basically, he is all four Mad Max main villains. But light, if you will, like he's not overdoing them. But you know what I mean? Like, he's still. You're seeing a bit of Vernon Wells in him, maybe even a Bennett from Commando, but if it was plausible, not crazy. You know what I mean? Like he's he's pretty much going to kill all these apes until he's the only one left alive. He does not give a fuck. I don't know why these people follow him. He doesn't put me. I guess there's just no one else to cling on, and he just got 
all the leftover guys from the NRA and well then he <laughs> I thought he used to work at like uh he he worked at like the electrical power or the electric company or something like that. They were trying uh, to get the grid back up and running. Okay, so there you go. He so he knew the most about the infrastructure that they were trying mm-hmm, to get going okay. again. There that's right. So okay. If he hadn't had that technology, that factor I don't think anyone would follow him unless they were, again, like I say, NRA leftover people. Yeah, <laughs> shit, I'll shoot some monkeys. Fuck yeah, you know. <laughs> you see, you've definitely seen a lot of those guys. You're, there you're a couple seeing, of them. That 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 whole one with more Kobo was <laughs> above that. That's some some of the best stuff in the movie. Oh, totally. I was expecting him to almost go all fucking Denzel. You know, Detective Alonzo in Training Day, and fucking make a guy swallow a gun and then shoot his brains out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was expecting him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'd have pistol whip some bitches, but no. I, King I just Kong love ain't got shit on me. <laughs> yes. Yes. How appropriate. And I have a talking monkey scream. King Kong ain't got shit on me. <laughs> oh my fucking god! Have you seen the robot chicken spoof from years ago? Which one? Oh, well, the Training Day episode. Is no, no, I haven't seen that. Okay, so basically in that, I forget who's voicing the dirty ape cop, but yeah, it's done in monkey style. <laughs> Actually, no, it's not done in... I forget how they were animating it and what characters, but it was basically animals, and they had someone being all, you know, so, hey, King Kong ain't got shit on me, and they yeah, have... Talking monkey. Uh, then they have King Kong on the Empire State Bill and actually fucking fling some shit at him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and that is a skit, but it was even funnier because Ethan Hawke actually does the voice of the Jake-inspired character. Okay. <laughs> yo, yo, what the fuck, man? Whoa, yo, whoa, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So yeah, this movie needed some more shit fly- flinging because I mean, from years, I always go back to MST3K's Time of the Apes, the Planet of the Apes ripoff episode, oh. and. Anytime a movie sucks, me and my parents always say on cue, it's just in our blood. We always say, fling crap. And <laughs> it definitely needed some shit tossing. I mean, just from what, it might have gotten an R rating, so maybe not. But I'm just saying, it's for realism effects, you know. But maybe not. Yeah. That would be a little gross after a while. They could still do a Monopoly video, a game version of this. That'd be fine. I think we've got plenty of those. Oh, that's fine. That's true. How to blo- do you guys do you guys get the crappy knockoffs uh, that are unlicensed where you're at? Like, uh, you just, uh, yes, the local I used to do one at this one role playing shop that had comics and board games for rent and sell, and we literally did do a realistic version of Monopoly, which felt more like the game of life. Like pass go, get an abortion, pass oh, here, zero healthcare. Uh, you had the option of even framing someone and having them go to jail instead of you. I'm like, I love this game already. That's <laughs> not too and, bad. And then, and then it sucked because then the person I played it on was someone who I loved dearly. I'm like, Ugh. and then he was like, go ahead, you can't do it. I'm like, no, dude, I can't do this to you. See, we always we get the ones around here that are fairly uninspired with some kind of weak nods for the humor for the local. Like we have one for our province, and it's just the name of our province. <laughs> and so it's like you know instead of boardwalk it's like oh. moncton or something like that holy fuck so does it ever get to cards against humanity level no i no, never not that i've seen I, that's like, the one i'm waiting on the monopoly <laughs> against humanity monopoly against humanity that'd be all right <laughs> i don't think parker brothers is gonna get on board with that but no but 
just wait for them to die and Disney to own it or some shit. I don't know. You know what I mean? You know, wait for some mafia studio that still has mobsters. Yeah. Yeah, to take it over. Because, I mean, how awesome would it be just, you know, to have the Grand Theft Auto edition? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> and bringing back to our movie, Koba totally goes all fucking Grand Theft Auto in this movie. I mean, he fucking just stumbles onto the camp and yep. he, he somehow encounters the stupidest fucking soldiers. These guys are foot soldiers. These are oh. now. These are the yeah. stormtroopers of the whole thing. They're like, hey, monkey, <laughs> you want to play with the gun? I'm like, well, and that's the thing, too. Like, they, 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 I'm guessing they would have been briefed on the fact that the monkeys not only are hyper intelligent, uh, but they do have the ability to speak because they've already encountered Caesar and his ilk and they've, you know, talked. So yeah. for these guys to see a monkey and go like, oh, he's a silly little monkey. In that world, there is no such thing as a silly little monkey. They should yep. all be regarded as a possible threat and treated with the utmost respect. Pretty much. Uh, this is where it gets a little too clever for its own good. I'm looking at you, Jonathan Nolan. I love you better than <laughs> brother Chris, but there are times where I watch Person of Interest in Westworld and I'm like, mm, need to tone it down there a little on the F-bombs and exposition. You're getting a little too clever. You know what I mean? <laughs> A little too clever. Everything else is fine, but you got that one little moment. It's like, mm, it didn't need that. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so, but I mean, fortunately enough, the execution—no pun intended—is oh. <laughs> good enough to where it's like, I just let it slide. It's like, okay, so he just so happened to encounter the two, to politically incorrect, mentally challenged members of this goddamn team who need to I mean they're not Prometheus level stupid but they're still pretty fucking stupid you know what I mean they're not gonna take these guys they're, aren't they're drinking take, everything drinking at the time too weren't they yes they they were distracted yeah. by something and so yeah. I mean they're not the kind of guys who take off their helmets but they're definitely not the guys who you ask to you know hey we got some apes to kill I need I need to round you guys up no you guys are the ones who defend the camp and do a bad job you know what I mean <laughs> Yeah, you're the, you're the guys who I use as you're the Wilhelm screens in every single movie battle sequence. <gasps> you know, the you're the guys who we use as body shields on Halo. <laughs> if there was such a mechanism, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, and we and with this, we find out that you know the the real I guess villains the villain in this is not necessarily humans because Kobo starts his not only is he stolen this gun, uh, he's also starts uh, kind of a I don't know, a campaign of revenge or double crossing. Cause he, he starts yeah. setting fire to the apes homes and he shoots Caesar. Yeah. He, he anyone who's with, with uh, Caesar, he wants you dead unless, mm -hmm. unless you suck his dick. But I, 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 he doesn't do that, but you know what I mean? He, those, unless, those are the deleted scenes. Oh uh, yeah. No, yeah. The Axel bronze. This ain't the triple X version <laughs> of the apes. Actually, this is the triple X version of the yeah, with Del Bone as Caesar and uh, <laughs> Leslie Zinn as uh, Maurice. And uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll let you know. I got nothing else. <laughs> no. Leave a comment in the comment below. That tell us how we can flush this one. <laughs> flush. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Well, they think Caesar's dead. Hobo quickly takes command of the. Uh, 
uh, of the simian folk. Yeah, he uh, and he starts ruling with an iron monkey paw. He doesn't have many apes on his side. He's kind of a one man army at first, and then he just rounds up a bunch of other guys. He pretty much yeah. has them. I mean, this does actually legit go all Greek tragedy in a way. Like Caesar yeah. literally is treated just like actual Julius Caesar. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It was inevitable. They were going to go to that because the average writer is just inspired by soap operas, if not Shakespeare. You know, they they love that stuff. They eat it up, and we see it in mainstream stuff like this. So yeah, they Caesar gets betrayed, left for dead, and uh, fortunately, uh, he and a bunch of the other apes get in contact with Ellie and Malcolm, played by Carrie Russell and Jason Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie Russell, good actress, who I'm still kind of waiting to see in a must see movie. She's always kind of been kind of wasted, in my opinion. Not yeah. against her, I just, I just if it's not an Abrams production, it just tends to be, it's like, okay, I saw you in that. <laughs> uh, Jason Clark, nothing against yeah, him. But, catch a break. <laughs> uh, my thoughts exactly like a Elba. He just stars in a lot of irrelevant stuff that isn't worthy of his talent. It's just every time I see him, I'm just like, man, you're you're this good. Gonna I suck. can see, I can see you are talented. What? kind of agent do you have because pretty you... much they, they don't have an agent that's just it it's just like they, whoever bid on them is like um oh, can't afford gerard butler jason Statham. let's get jason clark <laughs> we don't need an action star we just need that dude from that one show no one saw on showtime uh you remember brotherhood yeah <laughs> oh brotherhood brotherhood's a good show yeah but no one remembers it it's a good show but no one remembers it so uh, yeah, uh, he's just another guy who, just like a last episode when we talked about people who are in a show that's likely to get canceled, he he, he suffers from Blair Underwood, Heather Locklear, uh, Jason O'Mara syndrome, where it's just not a good network and it's just not going to pay off. But this is one of those movies where it's not really relying on the cast, so he at least has at least one movie. Well, at the very funny. least, too, it's like it's not a TV show, so the the success of it um, panning out in the end doesn't rely on him either. It's, it's, it's over That's in a couple hours. That's a real shame. And I hate it when everyone judges an actor on their movies. It's like, no, I have nothing. <laughs> yeah. I judge people based on how they're used. Cause there's a lot of people you're, we're seeing it now. It's like, I love Randall Park, but there's plenty of movies where he makes cameos. It was like, that did nothing for the movie. That was just to get some extra investment, you know? Yeah. So we're definitely in an age where, Actors still mean certain bank, but it just gets more frustrating because it's done in such a heavy-handed method mm-hmm. way. Like, now Andy Serkis is always... I mean, he doesn't care, but he's almost always going to get cast in every other superhero movie, let alone anything that requires motion capture. And I know he can actually act, but whatever. That's what he chooses to do, like a voice actor, so that's his stick. But then, yeah, then we're seeing people like Jason Clark, and they're showing up and stuff. is like... Yeah, this did no one any favors. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I I think you need to pull a rock and well, I shouldn't say pull a rock because the rock already fired his agent and he still seems to be having issues. But that's a discussion for another topic. Yeah, he he needs to get even and maybe even just go back to TV. Yeah, I, well, I mean, he, there's there's a lot of folks who I find like like I said, Joel Kinnaman earlier. He, I feel he does better on television than he ever does in movies. Idris Elba, definitely. I mean, mm. you can do Luther all day. That's fine. Just don't do, don't do all these forgettable roles in bad movies, please. <laughs> Tyler Perry, no thanks. <laughs> oh, I liked him in Pacific Rim. 
uh, I, 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 not, I pretty much, I go to a monster movie like Pacific Rim for the fights. I don't go for an Independence uh-huh. Day speech. <laughs> <laughs> but fair enough. He definitely got some bang for that. I'm just looking at all the other stuff that he did just in between that just uninspired, you know, bad superhero movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> those aside. Yeah. I liked him in the Hobbs and Shaw. He was fun as the villain. He was but fun I- as the villain, but then that's just it. Like then he just became the butt of all the jokes and then they ended it all anticlimatically. So I'm just yeah. like, yeah. So yeah, he needs to either quit the businessman routine and get a good, at least five good roles. Cause here's my rule with an actor. Well, not every actor. You're a great actor. If I can give you at least 10, you know, a top 10 list for you. Yeah. If I only got like two or three movies. Mm, then we're in Mickey Rourke, Jamie Foxx territory. <laughs> Got a good actor with mostly shit resume. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that happens. I mean, as long as he, as, as, here's the thing. You could be in a million miles of crap, uh, but if, as long as oh. you never phone it in, you, you've got my support. That or phone it in less, or you're the, if you're already the actor who is in everything, like, again, I go back to the Lance Hendrickson, Tony Todd, Eric Roberts format, then, then that's okay. I was like, okay, at least I know how you do business. So it's no surprise. And at least I know you're at least going to be good in the movie because everyone yeah. apparently wants to work with you, just like Michael Madsen and <laughs> Debbie Rokon. So all these other B-movie fanatics. So we got a bunch of B-movie regulars here in this movie. And then we got a bunch of other kind of TV actors and people who have been doing other stuff for decades and finally getting more than just a few lines. So it's a pretty good relief to just see a sequel that's not playing it safe and more of the same stuff that we already liked no and also to that like they're they're not relying so heavily on you having to have seen the previous movie and it goes that even goes almost into the third one as well yeah yeah there's stuff that's nodded to but they it, when it picks up you can watch any one of those movies without any previous knowledge and mm-hmm. have a good time yeah, no, no Liam Neeson or Morgan Freeman uh, narration no. here, folks. Nothing. <laughs> it's, it's all, it is what it is. So it's kind of cool how it goes that route, and uh, it sticks to its guns. Yeah. And, I mean, the, another cool thing with it, too, is that, uh, yeah, of course, you've got the the actual friction between the, you know, the apes and the humans, but the, you know, that other story with Kobo, or Koba, rather, uh, they're to show the infighting. That that was actually far more interesting to me because a lot of times with movies like this, you a lot of times they get the temptation to run either as it's every the one side's all good, one side's all bad, with the exception yeah. of one or two characters. Lots of gray uh, areas. Like- yeah. This one here, it's not like that because there's infighting with the humans, there's infighting with the apes, uh, so much so that we get that this fantastic fight scene at the end between Caesar and Koba, which is oh, it's it's some of the best stuff. Uh, absolutely, this and Sicario Two are just some of the few movies which seem to just have the maturity to just say, hey, let's not tell you the story before it begins, and let's not tell you how to think. Yep. You're smart. We respect your your IQ, at least most of you. You're coming to see a movie that doesn't, you know, 
that doesn't take fucking forever to get going, and at the same time doesn't cater to the lowest common denominator. So we want you to be both happy and engaged as well as get a reaction. There were people who were legit finding this pretty emotional, and I can see why. There were some people who found Gary Oldman's scene where he's weeping and looking at his dead family kind of sad. And there were other people who, again, were like, oh, no, you know, Caesar got attacked, you know. So it it definitely works on this level. And then, uh, so with after after the whole fight there, um, basically it comes down to the humans and the apes are almost at like a almost a detente, but not quite because there are still mil there's still military advancing, but Malcolm and Caesar just kind of have this you know nodding respect or friendship, and um, basically Caesar says uh, that you know, the humans are never going to not they're never going to stop trying to you know yeah. Uh, so he knows what's coming for them, and uh, he they leave him in the the forest uh, as as Malcolm is uh, uh, leaving with his family. Very well stated. I mean, this movie just flat out it's got freeze dynamics, and these guys are well versed in doing a lot of action blockbusters. I mean, especially with Mark Bumbeck, he's already done the Wolverine origin story, the better one. And then he's done, you know, Die Hard 4, which divides the fan base, but again, is best known for being a techno filler. So yeah. that's exactly it. So he uh, he legit is knows what tunes people on. You know, he's very much, for lack of a better comparison, kind of like Sean Ryan of The Unit or Howard Gordon on 24 and Buffy. He knows how to incorporate different moods and not get it mixed up with tone like the average mm -hmm. ADD filmmaker. And he, he gets your attention every, I can't think of one scene, which I want to even fast forward through because even the quiet moments get my attention. And this is a yeah. rare for any kind of blockbuster because every other blockbuster, you often watch it now and you're like, mm, eh, 20 minutes waiting on a plot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Say, and, it, yeah. and you're right. This one, this one and and also uh, war they know how to pump the brakes effectively so that yeah you you do have to take a break because it can't be wall to wall action uh, you know they they let off just enough so that you're still interested but you know that things aren't as uh, maybe high stakes at the moment absolutely yeah I mean you never feel like anyone can't not lose anything. Yeah. And you always feel very collected. And so moving on to that, it once again, much like the predecessor, the finale is well-earned. It merits it. Mm -hmm. And then, so then we're moving on into the, the war. war. Of the of the Apes. And this is another one that I'm noticing a lot of people kind of having a mixed bag. I see some people think it's decent, but not as good as the first two, and others saying it's the best of the lot, and others who said, hey, I hated the first two, so I hate this one too. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to let you go first, because I could talk all day about this movie. Well, man, for this, I I, I like this one. Uh, I liked all of them. I like the, um, the way that it all ties together a Caesar story because like I said, with the other, you do run, they do run the risk or they did run the risk anyways of making it where you're tracking a human 
through all of this and know your your central character is like the the leader of the ape resistance for lack of a better term so yeah and you no. get to see more of his i guess um demeanor yeah and we humane side kind of develop over the uh over the course of the movie because you you see definitely like uh so much so that they have the flashback where he's kind of wrestling with the idea that part of him is still like Kobo uh Kobo rather and he you know he wants to be a hard uh warrior type but Maurice is also there who is constantly reminding him of to be you know a, a better than that to be this is her finest hour yeah yeah uh so much i mean to the point like where they you know they save a a, a little girl in the uh uh in as well so not only is caesar uh not a you know very divided down the middle we're human they're humans we're apes and all must be separate he is like all I guess, for the lack of a better term, all life is worth at least a shot. I could, you couldn't, I could not have said it better. I, he wants, he knows the stakes. And instead of raising them, he wants to expand, so to speak. Yeah. He doesn't want to be, get all the way, but he wants to get out. You know, this is an ex-con story. This is a neo-noir <laughs> without, the, without the style. You know what I mean? This is a man who he has one less exit. And it's make it or break it time. Yeah, and the, the I guess with this one too, I mean the having the Woody Harrelson as the the villain and to be such a died in the wool villain, like there's very little redeemable qualities about him. I mean, with the exception of why he started on the path that he's on, but oh, every, trust me. You know, he, is, we, yeah. we, could, we could have had a R-rated Schindler's List version of that, but fortunately, yeah. the movie didn't want to go that far. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it does it does set up easy, uh, nicely, rather, and you get an easier way to kind of show Caesar as being uh, the, the better being of the, of the line. Uh, but you also do, you know, get into other questions about, you know, on the human side, is uh, how far would you follow a madman into hell, sort of thing? You know, because That's essentially it, least. and it's well, well, we'll even get into this later. It's wild how both this and Kong Skull Island both came out in 2017, and they both literally were uh, very influenced and giant homages to Apocalypse Now. Oh, without a doubt, it's, it's you can see it. They're both in Colonel Kurtz mode. Kong. Yeah, except instead of Sam Jackson here, you know, and then we got Woody Harrelson, and Woody doesn't, uh, you know, he's been on movies of so many different calibers, as well as qualities, so, I mean, but he is a legit good actor in that he approaches every role differently. Mm-hmm. I had some people joking that when he was announced, they're like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be in Rampart or Natural Born Killers mode. I'm like, not exactly, but it's pretty close. Yeah. It's a step down in terms of his brutality, but don't get me wrong. He could, he could mind rape you or. Do yeah, something. You, the mind, the the, uh, the the madness is still there, and he the, he goes for the gusto, like. Yeah, <laughs> nothing and I mean, happens. And this is a legit good PG thirteen action franchise. I see yeah. so many people they refuse to watch certain movies. They don't. Some people again are 
overprotective or conservative moms are like, oh, I don't want him to see an R-rated franchise. And then I see other people are like, fuck PG-13, fuck that shit, because, you know, they've seen people change the rating too many times. And I'm, I will do anything as long as, you know, there's a good movie. If I have to see the unrated version, I'll do it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like with Chronicles of Riddick. But, but I mean, with here's here's my look. I'm a big horror guy so whenever i see a movie come out and it's a horror movie and they say rated pg-13 mm-hmm. it immediately has some points taken off for me i'm not gonna, i'm not saying i'm not gonna see it because i've seen some good really good pg-13 horror movies because sometimes the scare is better than the gore i totally agree uh, that's kind of how i was with i mean some of these zombie and you know a quiet place type movies are recent is like i didn't mind them because they were all about either a killer doll or, again, just the suspense. So it was merited versus, I mean, I look at some of today's horror movies like I like Oculus because that was kind of an old school kind of routine and delivered on the gore without overdoing it. You know what yeah. I mean? And then I see stuff like Mirrors, you know, and all that. And I'm just like, ah, fuck you, movie. You know, it's just it's because it's because it's too much like it's just being grotesque. But it's not moving the movie forward, you know, in a Hellraiser way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so many people, they deviate from the Candyman slash Wishmaster formula, even the Wishmaster formula, where they mix in some comedy with the gore. And it's like, well, either have each gory gag serve a purpose or stop fucking with my head. Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) It's not not doing it. And – I'd rank this up there with James Bond, Jason Bourne level. It knows how to, again, get gruesome without over the top or, you know, morbid, but it doesn't shy away and just feel restricted. And that's how I am with half these Avengers movies. When I saw uh, Black Panther and half the Iron Man's, it just pissed me off to no end when I, especially Dark Knight Rises is the worst offender. And that's DC when people are getting shot, but you know, they're just falling over. Yeah. And it's clear view. There is no not seeing it. You know, they're being machine gunned. There's blood. There should be some squibs. Come on. (laughs) And it it annoyed people on World War Z, but I mean, there is some blood in that. It's just, they shy away from it. And it was more of a controversy on, they adapted a beloved book. Yeah. I have more problems with the adaptation of that than the actual execution of that movie. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) I I wasn't as attached to the source material, so I was just enjoying it more of in contagion outbreak mode. But could it have been harder? Oh, it absolutely could have been harder. <laughs> well, the the uh, source material's got more of like a uh, I don't know, like a VHS fl- or Twilight Zone type, you know. That and that's pretty much what they're gonna have to do with that one. I mean, mm. and same thing with Planet of the Apes. If they did it again. They would have to do what they're doing with Amazon's Lord of the Rings. You're going to have to just make it be an eight-episode, you know, epic TV drama. Because mm. that is what legit makes people want to tune in, if it's a must-see epic kind of event. You know, like, that's why I was tuned into every kind of thing the last few years, like Last Ship and uh, even Black Sails and even just other, even the new Jack Ryan show. You just can't miss event. Movie and that's probably. the thing, like, uh, like, I've heard so many good things about a lot of these shows – but because there's, I don't know, there's a lack of urgency sometimes I find. With yeah. Because when you know it's going to be on, it's a Netflix original. It's going to be on Netflix forever. I don't, I can watch it whenever I want. 
It's, it's yeah. a Prime original. It's going to be on Prime forever. So I can watch it whenever I like. <laughs> I don't have to set my VCR. Or I don't have to set my PVR. Uh, it's not appointment television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, very much so. It's... I like the, I, I, you know, I like the convenience of it, but, you know, because we're there's now and everyone's yeah. trying to act like we're still having single minded. Again, these are the worst people. The only thing worse than a movie that does good versus evil and that's it are the audience expecting that, you know, and we're seeing a lot of that, too. There's people who are doing that with DVD, Blu-ray or streaming. They want one or the other. I'm like. It's okay to have options, you know. Yeah, it is. You know. Still having the companies, they want to. They're just as bad as the guys starting monopolies. They want one or the other. Now I will like, say this for this movie is that the good versus evil is definitely much more clearly defined. However, it's very sharply clearly defined by the end of the movie versus the first. Like when you're first, you know, when when Caesar's just kind of kind of come to grasp with how to deal with the humans. Do they stay and fight? Do they flee? Uh, should he be striking out first or be on the defensive constantly? It's It makes for his character, uh, for me anyways, better. Because, I mean, he's going to be the focal point of the, the movie. It's not going to be a, a fair trade back and forth with uh, Woody Harrelson's character. So to see him go through like some inner turmoil uh, and progress to a, you know to a point where he evolves to I don't know where he's more I keep saying more human but you know what I mean more involved uh, intelligent and uh, empathetic very empathetic um, and I'll actually I'll raise the bar here I think he outdoes uh, Gary Oldman's villain oh yes considerably. Because and that says a lot because the third part is often the weakest. You know, I mean, we already had our Empire Strikes Back equivalent, but I wouldn't exactly say we're in, you know, Return of the Jedi or even, you know, Attack of the Clonesville. We're 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 still reasonable. It's still not as strong in the last half, and I'll I'll get to that in a bit. But it's still it's it's a gamble well done. Mm-hmm. And I, I again, uh, Woody Harrelson does not take any half measures when it comes to this. You know, he really doesn't. Character. He doesn't phone it in. At, at, I mean, the character. I don't mean the acting. The acting's fine. I'm just and he, uh, you, you know what I mean. He, he he doesn't take anything sitting down. He doesn't even wait for a briefing. He doesn't wait no. for. He doesn't even hire people to go and kill other people for him. And <laughs> he that's just it. Like he is. You're you're seeing his just continue slide into madness. You don't even get to witness the beginning of it because when the movie starts up, he's he's there. It just gets worse yeah. as the it's, movie goes on. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, this pretty much has everything I like about every Dennis Benab movie. You know what I mean? With mm. Prisoners and Sicario films and even Arrival and the Blade Runner 2049. Everything's there. Yeah. Although while Blade Runner 2049 and Terminator Dark Fate are pretty much the first hour is, you know, let's try and rebuild the magic, get everyone reacquainted with this world, recapture it. And the mm. last half is story expansion. This movie just jumps right into it. You know, it just all falls to the wall. And uh, I did not recognize Steve Zahn and Judy Greer. Oh, Steve I mean, Zahn was so good. And I didn't recognize either. You know, those guys are both reliable, dramatic. Yeah. 
it was just like it was just really cool because when I when I first saw it, I was like, is that? Nah, it can't be him. <laughs> well, so yeah. I'll be damned. Steve's on. <laughs> but I mean, it's I, I like I said this this one is is great, and as you said, it came out the same summer as Kong. I remember we we actually did. Uh, I saw episode. this. I saw this at the theaters, but I saw Kong at the drive-in, and uh, we did a whole thing that year of Montrose with his uh, Summer of the Simeon. Hmm. Yeah. Very cool. I fucking lucked out. I was being a volunteer for Irish Film Critic. Long story short, those guys weren't very patient. They would always pick me to do a movie, and I wasn't getting paid for it, so I was like, I don't want to see this movie. Is there a putlocker link? No. Got to actually go to the theater? God damn it. And so... <laughs> Yeah, I, I went to a live screening of this, had a free ticket, so I brought my pal Tim Still, who's now in San Francisco area, and I, uh, well, we, we saw this at our Angelica, and it was, it was, it was a blast. Um, yeah, it would be. <laughs> it, it, yeah, especially seeing it early, I was like, oh, yes, this is going to win all the awards. Mm. Uh, and I, I apply, I mean, so let, let's just jump to... This is a diehard in a prison, you know, Rambo in a movie, prison movie. Is that yes. fair to say? It yeah, is spe- all it is. especially that third act when, you know, they're trying to get, uh, uh, you know, the, the captured monkeys out. And you get you get that nice um, Last Castle, Great Escape. I was going to say act. that! Oh, my God! <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, no, this is totally The Rock, Last Castle, even behind enemy lines territory. And yeah. I don't mind that. It doesn't even necessarily feel like a. It's uh, the one point, I guess, in, in the series where you get the real, the big action set piece, and it doesn't feel out of place, at least not from my end, because uh, keeping the other two in mind, this has a really good progression as far as the story goes. So if you went and did the third one and there wasn't something just as grandiose as this for the send-off, I think I would have been disappointed. Yeah, uh, a lot of it, the complaints mainly are just where did the whole other army come? Personally, I thought it was hinted at enough that there was other survivors out there. I mean, just from last movie alone. Mm-hmm. So I would say I'm not trying to knock this movie, but I see where everyone's complaining about. It does feel like a reshoot or something. Kind of like, okay. not as bad as Hobbs and Shaw, but it does feel like there's a little, it's not hectic in its editing. It just kind of feels like I would have liked to have seen maybe an extra scene okay. of soldiers preparing to, you know, ambush. So that way it would have felt, I mean, I don't think it was a, uh, I don't think it was a rewrite, although I'm sure plenty of people did think it was a rewrite. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. It's just, it's not what you're expecting. So it just kind of got a bunch of WTFs reactions from everybody. Well, I I think what? for me, as far as like the ending, not even just the whole set piece, which is which I think is really great. Uh the comeuppance for Woody Harrelson's character and the yes. conclusion with Caesar, while emotionally very emotionally draining. Yeah. Very but it fits it fits the tone of the story that was being told. Mm-hmm. You know, he. This is supposed to be his legend, and if he, if he doesn't ha- a shovel off the mortal coil by the end of it, there's not. It, it's not a legend. Then it's a continuation. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, I did not expect the... Well, I don't want to spoil too much. I did not expect the villains come up inside That was very honorable death, if you will. Yeah. Well, honor, honor versus coward. We all know mm-hmm. who the coward is, and it's not Caesar. But don't. don't. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. For him to do that and to be like, you know what? You've been punished. Uh, and yeah, then, there you go. Andy Serkis yeah. is the Punisher. Um, <laughs> uh, I love the explosions of this because these are legit good explosions. Like, there's story, there's method to it. It's all well coordinated. I know where everything is on the battle scene, and there's different camera angles. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to be like the beginning of Avengers 2 where there's a random battle scene. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or all of BVS for that matter. So Batman versus Superman. So, yeah. I mean, that there's no confusion. There is no, there's not much attention given at random points where you're like, I don't know where my attention focus should be. And this is yes. a problem I encounter. This is a problem we encounter with pretty much every other independent movie at Redbox. There's either too much shit going on or not enough to give a shit about, you know? I do and, like that it is, it's concise, it's focused, it's linear. There's no point where I feel like anybody's chewing on scenery. Yeah, that is a very big rarity here, because usually whenever there's apes or CGI, I mean, we got to have our rocket raccoon equivalent. And it's like, fortunately, I think they learned enough from even Star Trek Beyond is like, not every movie has to be like Guardians of the Galaxy. Not every movie has to be like even Lord of the Rings. I mean, this is already epic as it is, but I never feel like they're going necessarily to the Peter Jackson handbook. Mm -hmm. It's coincidental and similar, but I mean, going back to the very beginning, you see a bunch of human soldiers who are trying to capture Caesar and they are fucking wiped out. And you really get into it because you see a bunch of other slightly familiar character actor faces. Uh, the squad leader is played by the one and only Roger Cross, best mm-hmm. known for playing Curtis Manning, uh, uh, the federal agent on 24, as well as uh, anti-hero terrorist uh, Travis on Continuum. I'm not sure if you've seen any of those. I've seen 24. I don't think I've seen Continuum. Really? Okay. Uh, he's also on, was on Dark Matter and... Uh, bunch of the other superhero shows and always been a pretty underrated actor and a common face that you see on every Canadian show, just much like uh, Karen Canaveral who plays Maurice, you know, just, oh, okay. you can't not see him because it's one, of those, it's one of those people who's like, Oh yeah, that guy, he was in that thing that I saw that one time. Oh, well, even more than that. It's just like, I know I'm the minute you see him. I mean, he goes as far back as being on multiple episodes of the X-Files and being the main villain on first wave. So He's okay. one of those guys, the minute you see him, you know that this movie has been shot in Vancouver, you know? <laughs> then you, and you have a few other Canadian nobles here also, like Ty Olson, you know? And it's just not uncommon to see him, him or some of the other stunt people who are credited. It's just they're on every Vancouver production because they're reliable and good people. Yeah. So so had I seen someone else here like Terry Chin or some of the other people who have been on Stargate or... <laughs> supernatural i would not be surprised uh would you had if you had seen someone like michael shanks or <laughs> no and, and there's Chen. definitely you definitely get that uh you get that with a lot of folks and, and my wife and i at times we'll see we'll see like someone is like oh they're canadian 
and mostly based on the West Coast. Ooh, it looks like you get to play <laughs> Spot the Vancouver in this movie. Yeah, that can definitely make up for it. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't come into play here, obviously, but there's been times where you're we're watching and we're like, oh, that's the uh, the Wall Center downtown. And I mean, I know it's supposed to be Seattle, but that's the rotating restaurant in Vancouver. It's that's fair. It, it does get <laughs> annoying when they don't set it in some kind of southern state. It's like, set it in a southern state or no dice. You know, this yeah, is it's, not... it's, well, anytime I see anything set in either Oregon or Seattle, I'm like, oh, this is shot in Vancouver. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind it with uh, Santa Barbara on psych. Mm. But, I mean, because clearly they did enough coverage. It's like, this can pass for whatever. But then there are other ones where it's like, if I, unless I see some particular, you know, location, clearly this is not Miami. Clearly this is not, um, you know, even Texas. This is, you know, there's a cactus. Yeah. There. What the fuck? This is not Arizona. This is not even Afghanistan. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this is Bulgaria on the cheap. Come on. Not trying. <laughs> so I like how this, you know, avoids being as over the top as, expendables or even fast and furious yeah, it never it never reaches into that uh that area of that confusion of tone you know what i mean One yeah it, they, the next it, minute it's ape shit so to speak it keeps nice and consistent <laughs> i'll pardon the pun <laughs> oh, well, there's plenty of puns you can't not have a fun on here <laughs> yeah no peter chernin at fox and all the other guys uh fortunately uh didn't dick around and i i like how again uh mark bumback that comes back to right with original ideas by Jaffa and Silver. Um, and, uh, but no, going back, uh, I, I love the opening assault because that just kind of sets the mood for this whole, you don't know what to, you're getting into. Yeah. I take it back. You do know what you're getting into, but you're kind of ready for some surprises. Mm-hmm. I will admit, I mean, I would have liked to just maybe seen one of the squad members before the opposite humans come in and wipe out the rest of the camp and have the other guys surrender. Okay, yeah. Maybe it could have just been shortly afterwards. He could have come into contact with them, and they would have been like, you know, hey, surrender. <laughs> he would have been like, oh, Caesar, <laughs> surrender. Um, uh, there's a lot of good sacrifices, and I, again, it's first blood level without being, you know, Rambo sequel syndrome, and that makes yes. sense. Don't get me wrong. I like my Rambo. No, sequels, I get it. No, dude, I, 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 I've actually, I've. John well, McClane back when he bled before. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched First Blood with somebody who only was really <laughs> familiar with the later ones, and I was like, "This is a really good movie, but it's not like those other Rambo movies that you've watched." <laughs> well, that's just it. It's just people think Rambo, and they think again, just like Rocky. First Blood Part Two. They well, that and they people love to cling to negativity. They love to remember the good. <laughs> Excuse me. They love to remember the bad shit over the good shit. And, I mean, if you really want, I can find something good or bad about every single Star Wars movie. Although, I'm pretty amiss about the new stuff. But, uh, I I think this one at least feels like it's not formulaic. It's running out of steam and out of ideas. It's not every other. It progresses the right way without being super predictable. It also feels like a multi-watch, because that's the problem with some of today's TV. I watch it, I never want to watch it again. Uh, 
and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like I've seen it all. It, it just yeah. doesn't have any rewatchability to me. And uh, that's how I was struggling with some shows like Game of Thrones or even uh, what's the other one that everyone loves? Uh, Westworld. I was like, eh, I've seen it. Don't need to see it again. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you. I'll see Rome again. <laughs> I'll see Deadwood again. I'll see the better seasons of Sopranos again. I don't need to see these again. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's because we're getting spoiled and we just want everything now. And other stuff just does take a sweet time and we don't know if it'll be canceled. Well, there, there's there's some stuff that's, you know, that, that can warrant it. I mean, a rewatch, especially if it's something that's nuanced or if you find out like maybe in a later season that there's a callback that's a big part of the plot in that season from the first season, and you never even noticed it until it was mentioned in the third season, so you kind of got to, like, I want to go back and see that. Some of them do work that way. I totally concur. I mean, some people were bitching about uh, n- newer seasons of shows like The Unit, Prison Break, and even 24, and I never had that issue because I, I always – for each of those respective shows, I always saw it together. Yeah. And same thing with the shield, which we're definitely doing a future episode on. Uh, but it was one of those, everybody had their favorite, least favorite seasons. Like, you know, it all clicks and at least every season wraps it all up. So if it were to get canceled, that is the end of the story. And you're, you know, and you're fine with how it's resolved. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you aren't, at least, you know, they didn't just wing it. <laughs> they, yeah. It didn't overstay its welcome like every other show nowadays, where it adopts a different style when it gets to a different generation. Um, yeah. uh, I so mean, I, I, I don't want to cut in there. We're going to have to wrap up here pretty soon because I do have to give my wife a call. Like I said, she's out of town. Uh, okay. So I wanted to give her a call. But uh, the uh, perfect. Godzilla uh, ones, do you want to maybe schedule another time? Because I'd love to I talk was, Godzilla reboots. I was noticing that I, I myself need a breather before I record the next episode i have to do three episodes a night so <laughs> Oof. it can be done it's just as long as everybody stays on topic and sometimes that's a problem when i'm interviewing someone and it's really good but they're not wrapping up anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no uh so where would you rank these first three movies uh i'm not sure where i go on this i kind of well, rank them in order but i don't legit yes 100 percent um you you <laughs> You're correcting your assertions, sir. Uh, because oh, oh, well, it's all a matter of opinion, bro. I'm not going. No, in my, in, <laughs> I feel that with the with these, I feel like with these, if you you can watch them without having seen any other ones, but if you watch them from beginning to end, from first to end, you get a really full experience. So they only get progressively better, in my opinion that and i mean it doesn't ever feel like they're indecisive they didn't know when to end it they didn't know when to outdo i'll give you an example i have nothing wrong with captain america civil war but it's not the winter soldier in my opinion no and same thing i'll even pull over return of the jedi okay pretty enjoyable epic movie but it's not empire strikes back so i mean i just have that kind of mentality when i it's like Span. I mean, that's again, that's uh, I mean, it, I've well, we talked it, about uh, the Purge earlier. Oh, yeah, uh, Purge 2 is the Empire Strikes Back in this franchise. That's, <laughs> Purge 2 is my favorite one so far, 100%. Uh, I'll even do a London has fallen over Olympus. 
<laughs> but that's the, the thing yeah. with this series though is that it's it's not like that. You're not like eh, I like the second one better, and I could have stopped watching after that. I I like the the journey that you take with these movies from Caesar's uh, you know accidental beginnings to where he eventually you know becomes the leader of that whole society. Uh, it, yeah, it tells a really good complete story. And if you've got you know a Saturday afternoon to, to throw a toss oh, away because. A marathon Watch them. would be yeah. amazing. Uh, I, I could definitely get through this in six hours versus Lord of the Rings, where there goes my entire afternoon day. <laughs> uh, nothing gets it. I love Lord of the Rings to death, but I just, you know what I mean? Like, because Lord of the Rings' issue is the extended versions I just prefer. <laughs> and again, it, it's just going to take all day just for one damn movie. You're just wiped out. <laughs> yep. Watching them on TV, I'm sorry. Fuck you, TV. It's just you can't do these commercials. Then it's a six-hour movie. Um, yeah. Uh, so it helps that no one monkeyed around, pun intended. Oh. You know? Yeah, no one decided to strip away the basics, script writing or cast. You know, there wasn't any rumors. Hey, we're gonna fire Andy Circus and hire him with a sound-alike voice. No, fuck that. None of that. And um, it helps that the character is as compelling as say, well. I'm going to get some flack for doing this. It's as fascinating as any uh, better cyborg franchise, as well as maybe even Drago in the original Dragonheart. You know, just, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you were talking about, I haven't seen Dragonheart in forever. I'm actually finding the direct video sequels aren't too shabby, save for the second one. Fuck that one. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Benson is no <laughs> dragon, but uh, I like how, uh, again, it's not even just a voiceover gig. Everybody is just all about, let's expand the story, and this is where it ends for now. Until next time. But for <laughs> now, it's the ending. Now, unfortunately, they claimed this was going to be the final one, but a fourth film was announced and on December 3rd, 2019, you know, after the Disney acquisition, oh. was reported that Wes Ball is going to do a fourth one. Wes Ball. Who the fuck is that? That is... Okay. Uh, <laughs> visual effects and graphic artist best known for the Maze Runner movies. Well, uh, I'm going to be polite and say he at least knows how to do special effects epics. He just needs a better story to go with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Because, I, I, I mean... It really doesn't. <laughs> but I wouldn't... Here's the weird thing. I wouldn't complain because if that makes sense, it wouldn't feel like, okay, now you're just milking, you know, nuking the fridge for all it's worth. You know, yeah. that's how it was when Rambo five came out. It's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I saw it. I mean, I as, as long as we can get, if there's, if, as long as it's treated with the same, I guess, respect. And... As long as it feels needed. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. And if, if there's a, a seriousness to it and it's not just campy um, cashing in for the sake of cashing in, I, I will at least give it a fair shot. Well, that and it needs to feel like more than just, for lack of a better word, a rainy day movie. Yeah. It needs to feel needed. Yeah. Now, so... We're not going to go into too many basic details, but uh, good, uh, good, 
good news. Apparently, uh, this was a extremely successful comic book franchise recently, and everyone's going, oh, Cam, you mean earlier stuff? No, no, I'm not. No, fuck that. I'm not talking the 90s, you know, where they crossed over with shows like Alien Nation. I'm not talking even the 70s. No, no. Uh, I'm, I'm, they legit did a comic book yeah. by Boom Comics where they crossed it over with original Star Trek and an original planet of the apes and it came out in 2014 same year as part two of this new one and uh it included the likeness of charlton heston and basically the story is james t kirk must seek to prevent the klingons from installing a puppet gorilla government on this planet Ah. and i know yeah it totally sounds hysterical like a lesser episode but apparently it was a well-received comic book that's good it's it also just, had, the words together sound funny. The words together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> now I want to. Yeah, I, I, I would have paid to see Charlton Heston and Bill Oh, my Shepard God. Together. Jeez, they wouldn't be able to. They'd, yes. they'd get through a day of shooting. Both of them would have eaten all the scenery. And they would have. Uh, they, they would have not gotten along with each other either because you know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> shithead shatner against you know i'm pretty aren't i heston <laughs> and so uh yeah I, I played i was in the ten commandments motherfucker so yeah you'd have a lot of that going on you'd have get away from her you damn dirty ape yeah so you'd have a lot of that just awkward pauses and uh apparently in 2018 boom to follow up with that success uh they also did a 2017 King Kong story called Kong on the Planet of the Apes. They crossed it over with that, and then they 2018 they did Planet of the Apes Visionaries with comedian Dana Gold. Yes, Dana Gold oh. of The Simpsons and nice. uh, uh, HBO standup uh, did a Planet of the Apes Visionaries based on uh, unproduced Rod Sterling script for the first Planet of the Apes movies. Basically, found four space explorers reach planet and. Uh, Dr. Zero realizes that Thomas is intelligent and writes notes that she can understand. And Thomas becomes a celebrity as a talking human and explains that he's from another planet. So uh, it sounds like kind of a more, this doesn't sound very relevant, but I'm, I, I still wanted to check it out. I mean, it sounds like more of the same that we've already seen way too pricey for a comic, but if I see it at used for five bucks at half price, I might get it. Um, I might be able to find it on digital. Oh yeah, uh, that's pretty much where I have to do nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just especially for all these canceled TV shows, and they have a follow-up comic book. So it's cool to know that they embraced it in uh, comic books again. And uh, <laughs> that is wild. I didn't never heard about the Star Trek one. I heard about the one where they brought all the various generations together and it, that was cool but <laughs> just imagining a classic shatner <laughs> just, and i sound like i'm bragging on star trek just good i mean i can find oh, man t- anytime you get to see shatner at, at his shatnerist you're you're gonna have a good time oh well, that and i mean i pretty much uh i know you, you were talking about star trek earlier i am as much of a car guy as i'm a kurt guy i just see the love in both and this and they're the, two different monsters, though, because Patrick Stewart's a legitimately... British, uh, French yeah, guy. Yeah, there's a certain... 
I don't know, seriousness or legitimacy that comes with his performances. Whereas every time I see Shatner, it's like, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, that's just it, too. And I think going back to even Planet of the Age, like, both this and Star Trek kind of have the whole mentality of, you know, what you see is what you get. Sometimes you can, you know, especially with classic set Planet of the Apes, you get some stuff which, again, is endlessly going to be outdated and just be uh, humorous, whether it was intended or not. And then you're going to have other stuff where you can legit take it as such, especially with the close-ups and angles, but then there's always, on repetition, you're going to notice more extra stuff. And that's what I see with classic Star Trek as well as early Next Generation, where you just, <laughs> it just becomes a matter of just wait for it, engage! You know, Mr. Spock, Mr. Sulu, I did not see you here. <laughs> and yeah, Ooh, so shut up, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing. I, and then when you become more familiar, I always waited for when I found out. You know, I was always waiting on repeat viewings of yes for George Takai to say oh my or uh, Leonard Nimoy to say I'm not Spock. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Highly logical. Yeah, highly logical. You do know this is seventies makeup, sir. <laughs> um, sixties makeup. My bad. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, so I would say this franchise of Planet of the Apes has had a good run, and I like how again, like some of these franchises that have come back, it, it it introduced a whole new set of fans. There's some people who still, again, kind of like with new Star Wars, they've never seen the older movies, but they've seen all of these and pretty healthy I, it's it's a rock solid trilogy i mean if you yeah you can pick it up at like uh you know like walmart or any other place that will sell you know blu-rays I on the cheap i got it for like 30 30 bucks the whole trilogy on, on blu-ray a few years back wow yeah. <laughs> that is cool um so, i would yeah, legit... keep an eye out you, you can usually get it pretty cheaply and it's it's worth the the worth the bucks because they're uh, all three or blu-ray together. DVD or Blu-ray? Blu-ray. Cool, cool. Yeah. I still got to see that one uh, documentary that they did that they crowdfunded. I can't ever see if it ever came out. It's on the original Apes. Uh, there were some pretty reasonable special features on these. I never really saw them. I just was so stunned by the movie. It's like, you know, I just want to rewatch the movie. I just love it all as it is. Uh, I'm sure there's some cool commentaries. Uh, I would have to make time for those, definitely. Uh, yes, absolutely. So with that being said, dun, 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 extreme close-up, Nathan, where can we find you? On well, you can two. find you can find my fabulous podcast. What were they thinking? What? Uh, what? <laughs> what were they thinking? That's the funny thing about you know a Shatner impression. It's not really a Shatner impression. It's a Kevin Pollock doing a Shatner impression. There's that, and then, yeah, Seth MacFarlane's done it. Everybody yeah. else has made fun of it. And SNL, even. I think even Shatner kind of plays up that SNL version on his episode. Yeah, it's yeah. like, what were they thinking? Uh, you, yeah. You so, should find us. Uh, our home base is on Podbean. Uh, what were they thinking? Uh, you can find us on Stitcher and Podbean. Uh, I already said that. Uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, any of the, the podcatchers, uh, you can catch us there. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, what get on thinking? Anchor. What's that? On Anchor. Uh, yeah. Uh, like we're also, <laughs> what were they thinking, interactive group on Facebook Ooh. where you can talk at us. Uh, you Does can tweet us. Wrong? What's that? 
CD-ROM. <laughs> you know what? I keep pitching to Brendan. I think we could get a CD of the Month Club going. I mean, Columbia's been gone for a while. Just release our episodes on CD. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we're on Instagram, uh, WWTT. Uh, <gasps> also on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can also check out uh, my fellow Montrose, Monkington the Third, uh, Montrose Monkington oh, yeah. TV on YouTube. Uh, Montrose Monkington Third Esquire and Friends, as well as at Montrose the Third. That's the number three R D. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, poor lady, as he likes to say. <laughs> thank you, poor lady. <laughs> so yeah, that's where you can find. Thank you much. You can find more in Montrose Monkington. Oh God, that's great. Now, and I will definitely keep. I mean, what well, what do I mean? Keep an eye. Of course, I'm gonna know when <laughs> the next episode drops because. Oh, we just had their Monday movie reveal today. They live, so... They live! Yeah. They live. No, I look forward to that episode. That's going to be entertaining. Because <laughs> that, that's a movie that came out around the same time as Society and all these other questions. Yeah. No, the, uh, so... Uh, yeah, so you're pretty active on Twitter and all the other stuff. That's cool. Uh, uh, other than that... Uh, yeah, no, I'd love to have you for the Bill Shatner episode. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right well man uh thanks again for, for having me on this has been uh, a real fun i hardly ever get to talk about these movies with most folks so it was nice to talk about all three of them the jacked up review show can also be followed on facebook on both the page and the group feel free to chat leave questions make requests for future episodes You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for your various support, and we'll continue to entertain the hell out of you. Till then, take care.